August 27, 2015. This is the Hermetic Hour. I'm your host, Poke Runyon, and tonight we present a discussion on the theory that the biblical Jesus of Nazareth, grandson of King Herod the Great, was in fact not only the king of the Jews, but through marriage to Mary Magdalene, a Phoenician princess and priestess of the goddess, could claim to be king of all Israel, the new Melchizedek. Now, Frater Thabion, that's myself, will again be joined by biblical scholar Frater Solomon, that's Mike, and in explaining this remarkable and exciting story. Now, we will cite the Nicene document of Hippolytus, from which, uh, from which were the romances derived, The Lost Gospel by Giacomo Ricci and Wilson, Robert Gray's King Jesus, and Joseph Raymond's Jesus the Herodian Messiah. Now, this is the beginning of the Holy Grail mystery, so join us for an hour of amazing revelations. And this really is actually very amazing. And and this particular um, story in modern times uh, really starts off in 1946 with Robert Graves' publication of his novel, and it, it was it was a novel, and it was and it was published as a novel, King Jesus, and. Uh, this this is what uh, starts this off, but uh, we have had since then several other books, and and we have discovered earlier books bear in on this uh, this very fascinating mystery, and and recently, of course, we've had the Da Vinci Code, and we have Holy Blood, Holy Grail, the Da Vinci Code, and and uh, uh, and a number of books revolving around that. That have also, uh, you know, contributed to this, and as I said, it, and it also is the background of the Holy Grail myth. Now, uh, some people may be wondering, uh, you know, we they may think that the OTA, the Order of the Temple of Astarte, is is pagan <coughs> or neo-pagan, which of course it is. It's also hermetic. Uh, Frater Solomon, are you there? I am here. Oh, excellent. Let me finish the uh, the, the intro here, and then we'll get into this. Uh, and they, they, you know, they, the the order of the Temple of Astarte is certainly neo-pagan, and and uh, and but it's also Hermetic. And as we um, as we said on a show just recently, the order of the Temple of Astarte is in many ways a a um, a bridge formed a bridge back in the 1970s when we were having this big uh, neo pagan and occult revival. It formed a bridge between traditional uh, occultism of the Golden Dawn variety and uh, and the witchcraft movement of uh, you know the Gardnerian and and uh, and, and Robert Graves. Uh, based witchcraft movement, uh, and we formed a bridge between the two, and and so some people may be wondering at this point, well, what what are what are, is the OTA doing pushing uh, Christianity? 
well, we're not pushing Christianity of the fundamental variety at all. We are we are making another bridge. We're creating another bridge here to uh, a pagan form of Christianity, which was um, which was founded by well, probably founded by Mary Magdalene and Philip originally, but but which which uh, was really uh, put in, in place by St. Valentine, the, the, the man who gave us Valentine's Day and who almost became Pope before the Peter and the Paul people, you know, uh, sort of squashed him and slandered him out of existence. But, uh, so that's really what's going on here. Uh, when we said in the, uh, the title of this show is Jesus of Nazareth, pagan priest king. And that is exactly what we think he he uh was intended to be and and uh and that's that that sort of uh Christianity is the sort of Christianity that uh, that Saint Valentine uh, and he did manage to give himself sainted. He uh, that that Valentine and his disciple Marcus uh, which we uh, follow and uh uh, that that's the sort of uh, Christianity that we that we would like to to support. So we're forming another bridge here, another bridge between uh, between uh, uh, paganism and and the Bible and Christianity. And so bear with us. And with that in mind, we're not uh, we're not Christianizing paganism. We're paganizing Christianity. And so um, the um, this. Whole business kind of starts off, as I said, with uh, Robert Graves, the same uh, the same Robert Graves who gave us the White Goddess, and who who uh, was responsible for starting a whole school of witchcraft, which ended up uh, becoming the 1734 tradition in in here in this uh, this country, uh, the uh, the Tubal Cain tradition over in England, and. Uh, and that, of course, relates that that Robert Graves was was doing a bridge in that respect himself, you know, with Tubal Cain uh, being the being the old blacksmith god, both of the of the Canaanites and the Hebrews and and the uh, and the 1734 uh, Graves tradition uh, witchcraft cult. So there's a lot of cross reference here. Also, too, I might add that the Grail tradition. In, in southern France and in, in southern England, the Grail tradition uh, is uh, has a lot of connection with the uh, witchcraft movement and the pagan movement, and uh, so that's certainly goes right into into what we're talking about. Now, uh, this all begins for, for, from a modern standpoint with Robert Graves' uh, King Jesus. And uh, what what he did in what he did in King Jesus uh, that that is really remarkable is number one he researched it uh, thoroughly, uh, but from a pagan slant. But he researched it very thoroughly, and he discovered that that the best candidate for for uh, Jesus the best the best candidate for his his genealogy his parents. And his uh, and his genealogical heritage was the Herod family, 
and the Herod, you know, King King Herod the Great, uh, the same the same king who um, supposedly killed all the firstborn in Bethlehem just to try to get rid of Jesus, but then. Oh, great, old Herod the Great was famous for wiping out his children. <laughs> and it appears he even wiped out Jesus' father, Antipater II. And uh, now, uh, so Graves theorized that uh, that Jesus was actually the son of, uh, of his, the grandson of Herod the Great and the son of Herod's son, Antipater II. Um, and and Antipater, according to Graves, uh, married married a woman named Mary, who was the daughter, according to Graves, of a of a Levite uh, high priest, uh, which gave him which gave Jesus uh, you know a lineage back back through to the to uh, to the Davidians, although. The, Although the Herodians claimed uh, uh, claimed lineage back to the Davidians too, um, now what Graves Graves' book eventually inspired a Roman Catholic uh, um, seminarian, uh, a fellow by the name of Joseph Raymond, who came out in in uh, 2010 with a book called the Herodian Messiah which uh, he doesn't come right out and admit that he was inspired by Graves King Jesus, but at least he gives Graves a big footnote, and it's pretty obvious that he was. So what uh, Joseph Raymond did was he did a lot more research than, than on the uh, the biblical end of things, having uh, access to a lot of uh, Roman Catholic uh, material having been a Roman Catholic seminarian at one time, he went from there to being a lawyer in the Justice Department if he could figure <laughs> that one out. But um, anyway, uh, Raymond comes to some different conclusions about exactly what the Herodian uh, uh, genealogy of Jesus uh, was, um, some of which we, we, we probably would disagree with. Uh, he has... Uh, he has uh, 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 Jesus being the son of, or being being born of, of Mary, uh, who uh, Addie Potter's first wife, and uh, and Addie Potter's first wife was. Credited, and he was credited because she credited by Josephus as his first wife. She was the daughter of the Hasmodean king that um, that uh, Herod the Great dethroned and then had executed. He paid Mark Anthony a huge bag of gold to chop uh, to put uh, Antigonus's head off. Um, and uh, Herod, Herod was was great for decapitations, which later on his son Antipas, of course, decapitated John the Baptist. Uh, uh, Mike, you want to talk about uh, about uh, the, the the two different Marys uh, on the menu here that um, uh, that that Raymond is talking about, and and uh, he's he's suggesting the Annie Potter's first wife and and um, 
and we're we're kind of thinking that it might have been his second wife or possibly uh the graves idea what do you what do, what are your thoughts on that uh well uh there's a couple problems with his first wife, which is why I discount her uh but there's also a reason why he came to that conclusion it, It's not widely known that Antipater um had a second wife, but he did. And uh, people have been trying to dig up her name, uh, but I, I think uh, I've come up with a, an obvious um, argument, uh, which is um, his wife's always called Mariamne because uh, whenever his wife's referred to, both of his wives were named Mariamne, which was a, a common name, especially for people of Levitical, women of Levitical descent, uh, uh, particularly of uh, Aaron. Um, it, just to touch point on the important um, clans you could be a member of, uh, there were um, there were four important clans in uh, Palestine at that time. Um, foremost was uh, the Zadokite clan. They um, ran the priesthood. Um, next to that, it, it would have been the Hasmoneans. Uh, both uh, Zadokites and Hasmoneans were Levitical. And... Um, the, um, the the next clan in importance would be, of course, your uh, your Davidite clan. They descended from uh, the kings, King David, Solomon, uh, the rest. And, and then the fourth most important uh, clan in Palestine, and, and Herod married into this as well. Uh, in, in fact, uh, his two sons were uh, were part Samaritan. Um, he, he married a woman named Malface, and um, she was the um, mother of. Um, Archelaus and Aristobulus, who were in his will, but he ends up having them executed as well. He killed a lot of his kids. Um, yeah. And they were, uh, the no- the noble Samaritans were also, uh, they were Levites, but they were of the house of Aaron, but they ran Samaria. They were not really respected by the Judeans or the Galileans. Um, so that that's the fourth family. Um, I think I so, think at, at, at this point, though, uh, um, uh, get to a stopping point on this one, will you? That's all I wanted to touch on that. That's just to put everything yeah. in context. Um, so, um, well, what I want to put in context, uh, though, because for our for our listeners, and 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 I I know that that uh, that, uh, that many of our listeners are not anywhere near as as familiar with the Bible as you are, and as as I have be as I have started to become as a result of a lot of this. Uh, and and so therefore let let let's put a few of these things in perspective. Yeah, let me, let me point out the especially problems. From, uh, of, uh, yeah, especially yeah, especially from, from a, Mary from Amney. A, I, I'm just focusing. Yeah, I yeah. I just wanted to. Those are kind of uh, important historical uh, back notes. But um, Mary Amney is is just another variation of Mary. Mary's the kind of a Greek yeah. version of uh, Mary Amney, which is a, a more Aramaic version. Um, so uh, Antipater had two wives. Uh, the problem with um, the Mary Amney that um, Raymond proposes is, uh, first, she's in jail, and second, she's in her 30s, which doesn't match any of the traditions. Um, th- this isn't going to be her firstborn child uh, if she's already in her 30s, but she's in jail. So um, that means his second wife has to be the one by whom he has this uh, child. Uh, now, one thing I noticed from Raymond's book that's really important is um, Joseph... Um, Antipater had a cousin named uh, Joseph, and um, this Joseph, he he didn't have any heirs um, that we know of. We don't have a lot of history on him. I I do think he was Joseph the carpenter, 
<laughs> but that would have been uh, that would have been the first choice. Yeah, he he was uh, ten on his mom's side. That would have been the first choice for uh, Antipater to uh, send um, his his um, his his uh, son by Mary that he he probably never got to see because it was about four B.C. and Jesus was born and, and that uh, Antipater was executed and it's about three B.C. that Jesus is born. So uh, he had to set up for his. Uh, his cousin Joseph um, to take care of it. Uh, there was no uh, Levitical marriage. Uh, there, there was no Levirate marriage uh, for um, Antipater yeah. to have any. Um, he didn't have any little brothers because Doris, uh, his mother, was too old. Now, now let's 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 get so so people don't get completely lost in all of this. Let's get a few things, uh, a few little basic things out of the way here. Number one, uh, this this whole business that we're talking about with Jesus uh, being the son of, 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 of Herod, uh, the grandson of Herod the Great, and and uh, and and Mary having her own uh, royal line, this all uh, basically comes from a couple of things in the Bible and in Josephus, but mainly in the Bible, where number one, uh, and this this is this is is very important. Pilate, Pontius Pilate, put a sign on the top of uh, the cross, and and this is this is this is not speculation or legend. This is a fact. He put a sign on the top of the cross: Jesus and the Jews, and and uh, you know Rex Rex Judiorum, and and they didn't want him to put that sign up there, but he put it up there, and 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 he Pilate knew. And it's it's pretty it's pretty obvious that Pilate knew that Jesus did have this this royal blood. Now another thing, uh, and this is something Joseph that Joseph Raymond figured out, and that is that the Sanhedrin, the Jewish council, they could not execute uh, Jesus, and they couldn't execute him because they knew he was a, a, a Herodian. And if he was a Herodian, he was a he was a high-ranking Roman citizen. Any member of Herod's family was automatically a Roman citizen, and they absolutely could not execute Jesus. And and so they turned him over to Pilate, and they asked Pilate to execute him. And so Pilate, uh, you know, Pilate did so uh, at their. Uh, you know, at their behest, and probably with a large bribe, the same way that the same way that Herod, you know, got got Mark Anthony to kill Antigonus. You know, give him give him give him enough gold and, and, and chop off his head. Well, they, they, somebody probably came up with a lot of gold, and I think it probably was Antipas. That was one of Herod's sons, who was the tetrarch of Galilee, probably paid to have. Had probably paid Pilate a handsome sum to crucify Jesus, and uh, that's the way they did things in those days. You want you want the guy dead, and what it's going to cost you? And uh, so those two those two things: the fact that Jesus was was uh, declared king of the Jews by by the Romans, and 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 then executed, uh, you know, because the Jews wanted him executed, and. Uh, when I say Jews, I mean Judeans, basically. That's another thing. We're going to make this clear. Uh, now, in those days, we, we, 
even though even though Ezra had made a a terrific effort to Judaize all of Israel and to and they actually did they were they were almost like what we would call evangelical and of course in those days they, today it's very difficult to become Jewish you you uh, you know um, as as Elizabeth Taylor and, and and others have found out, it takes a lot of a lot of work to become a Jew. But but in those days, they were they were converting uh, ever since ever since Ezra, uh, the Second Temple, they were converting. And then apparently, when the Hasmoneans came in and the Maccabees, they also went on a a, a, a conversion. Uh, one of the Maccabees. Uh, the predecessor of Queen Salome of the Maccabees, uh, he had a he, he extended the, the the boundaries of Israel uh, out to past what what King Solomon had, and but here's the rub on that: these these the ten so-called lost tribes of Israel were never worshippers of YHVH. They were they they were all worshippers of El, and 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 El of course was was the father god of the Elohim, uh, and that's feminine of course, but but still it means the gods, and they were so they were the Israelites, the ten lost tribes were essentially pagan, and and they uh, and very similar to, very similar in, in in religious practice to the Phoenicians, and. So what we have um, uh, here is a uh, with, with Jesus is king, a king of the Jews, who wants to have, who wants to recreate uh, the kingdom of I, I think, and this is my my theory. He wants to recreate the, Solomon's kingdom. He does claim some. Through, through the Herodian uh, lineage, he does claim some uh, uh, connection to the House of David. He wants to recreate Israel for for Israel for all for all the Israelites, and that means that he wanted to purify the temple and and get them back to worshiping El uh, in the temple uh, rather than than uh, than Jehovah. Now this, uh, uh, but Mary Magdalene, of course. Would be and and this is where um, both you and I both take issue with uh, with both uh, Graves and and uh, Joseph Raymond is that neither one of them have have a have a real handle on the Mary Magdalene situation. Uh, Robert Graves imagined her as as uh, as a. Well, kind of a witchcraft, uh, an old hag of a witch, uh, who represented a, a very primitive version of of, uh, of Judaism. Um, that and, and that, that just didn't work at all, as far as I'm concerned, in King Jesus. But uh, but uh, Joseph Raymond, he has Mary Magdalene being another one of the Hasmonean, uh, another one, another. Uh, um, uh, one of the progeny of Antigonus, and so he has Jesus marrying, marrying back into the into into his basically into his own family, and and uh, I don't go for that either, and I don't think you do either. We we discovered that that uh, Mary Magdalene was actually 
uh, the daughter of one of the governors of Syria, who who was who was a governor of Syria under the Romans, but he but he traced his lineage back to to the, the satraps of of Syria and Phoenicia, which means that he could that somewhere back in in her lineage was Hiram of Tyre, and this is of course you know very significant. Um, uh, so I, I've talked enough on this. You want to you want to take over? Uh, give, give us your thoughts on this. Yeah, it, it's it's clarification, and, and I'm sorry if I'm presenting too many details, but um, it's clarification of uh, Mary Magdalene's ancestry as opposed to the theories that have been promoted. Um, the big one in Holy Blood, Holy Grail is that she was a Benjamite. Um, there's no advantage to Jesus marrying a Benjamite. Um, the Benjamites were mixed in with the Judeans. Uh, Judea pretty much consisted of Judah, Benjamin, and Levi. Uh, you know, three tribes in the south, ten in the north. Um, and, and that uh, theory wasn't uh, propagated until about 1450 AD. That's the first instance where somebody says that, and that's because Mary Magdalene's equated with Mary of Bethany, and Bethany was in Benjamite territory. Um, however, um, just because she might have lived in Bethany, uh, she was called Magdalene because uh, she was from Magdala. Uh, Magdala is a city in the territory of Naphtali, which is very significant because Naphtali, uh, even though we associate it with Israel, um, is one of the 13 tribes. Uh, there's actually 13, not 12. Uh, Levi's sort of a supernumerary tribe. Um, Naphtali and Asher and uh, northern Dan are all part of... Uh, what old maps show us um, was really part of southern Phoenicia. Um, so that means that um, Mary was um, of Phoenician ancestry. And, um, it's, it's and more likely... It, wait, 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 wait. Isn't it interesting that, that, uh, uh, that Hiram of Tyre in Masonic legend is said to have been... Uh, his father was Phoenician and his mother uh, was of the tribe of Naphtali. Well, yeah, yeah, that's 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 really important. Um, you know, Hiram Abyss. Um, yeah, yeah, that's that's um, that's really important because it um, it, it kind of points to the Hiram Abyss legend, perhaps pointing to something more ancient um, than we realize on the surface. Also, it, it makes um, the legend of Joseph and Asenath make much more sense. Um, being that Jesus is adoptive father and, and probably Mary as well, were both part Samaritan, um, Samaritan had some Samaritan noble ancestry, and, and that would take too long to get into um, in, in this uh, conversation. But um, that Samaritan Samaritans uh, claim their descent from Joseph, so uh, Jesus has that claim um, on one side of the family, and then Asenath. Um, was an Egyptian, so she descended from Ham. Uh, Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. So um, the Phoenicians uh, were descendants of Zidon, Naphtali, and Asher, so a couple of Israelite tribes, and also uh, the ruling uh, Phoenician tribe was uh, from Zidon, which was the son of Canaan, the son of Ham. So here we have um, Joseph, uh, a descendant of Shem, marrying Asenath, a descendant of Ham, and that's reflected again in Jesus, a descendant of Shem. He's the king of all Shem. Marries um, the, the royal princess of Ham. And um, so we have Shem. And, we don't just have all Israel uniting in this marriage. We have um, 
uh, the royal house uh, appointed to rule over um, Ham and the royal house of, uh, appointed to rule over Shem marrying each other. And uh, if these grail legends are true, that means after Shem and Ham united through Mary Magdalene and Jesus, then they had to go to Europe to marry into uh, Japheth. So all three sons are represented in the royal family that um, Jesus and Mary Magdalene had that uh, was meant to rule over um, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, all of Noah's sons. Um, essentially, it's a, a spiritual family uh, meant to guide the world, which I think Jesus and Mary Magdalene were setting up. Yes, and we're really, uh, we're really connecting the dots, as it were. And, and, uh, and everything seems to... Everything seems to fit together. Now, let's take another one of these uh, significant books here that we've been talking about, and that's, of course, Joseph and Asenath, as, as, as that's the Lost Gospel. And uh, we did a show on that one and, and uh, a little bit back, which so you, you guys that are interested in following this can check the archives and, and, uh, and you know, check the broadcast archives on the show here and, and get, our, get our one on the Lost Gospel. But basically what the Lost Gospel is, is, uh, just to recap quickly, uh, the, early, the early Christians uh, back in the time right, right after Jesus died, and, and Jesus said, that he was supposed to be succeeded by his half-brother, James. Uh, follow James the Just, he said. But um, we know, though, however, that the church, right after he died, is split in several several directions. Uh, Peter, you know, uh, Peter took uh, the one that, that, that ended up being the one that Peter and Paul, uh, uh, the Christianity that we have today, pretty much, uh, that went one way and became the Roman Catholic Church eventually. And then there was this. Then Mary Magdalene herself had had her own uh, her own uh, following, and maybe perhaps uh, in in company with Philip. Perhaps I don't know uh, that, but the Gospel of Philip sure indicates that that, that might be the case. But uh, um, anyway, uh, Mary Magdalene. As uh, as you know, most of us I think are aware uh, was was a leader of the early church. But uh, um, the 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 thing that I that I want to point out here was that in Valentinian Christianity, which Mary Mary and Philip were the sort of the, the original uh, the original uh, founders of Valentinian Christianity. The sacred marriage is the sacrament, more so than the crucifixion. The sacred marriage is the passion. And the Valentinians were not so concerned with the crucifixion. They were concerned with the, with the, with the sacred marriage. Now, why this is important and why to, to, uh, when, I, when we said Jesus was, was becoming a pagan priest king, along with Mary Magdalene, the Phoenician princess and the priestess of the goddess is this. In those days, ever since, there never was, by the way, in spite of what the feminists would like to think, there never was an age of matriarchy. There never was a matriarchal society in ancient times. There were, there were matrifocal, and at one time the Jews were definitely matrifocal. The, the Hebrews were. Well, what we mean by mat, mat, uh, matrifocal is that well, like Robert Graves says, 
the women owned the land, and you married, you know, if you wanted, if you wanted, so they they owned the land in a in a, in a matro in a matrifocal society, and you trust your and and at one uh, at one point uh, the lineages are traced through the female. Now, interestingly enough, both gospels, you know, Matthew and Luke, Luke, uh, one 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 traces the lineage through uh, through Mary, and the other one traces the lineage through Joseph. Uh, and uh, so you've got the you have two competing competing a male and a female lineage there, but the marriage was the power and this is this is the the thing that the feminists don't understand and and uh, I wish they did marriage was the power of the women in ancient times that was their power that was their their uh the marriage was was what gave them what gave them power and what gave them influence and and therefore this whole business of being able to divorce a woman just by by saying I divorce you, I divorce you, I divorce you, which uh, was the way it, that goes all the way back to Moses. Um, this this depowers the woman, and so you can this depowers the whole feminine uh, uh, um, claim to any power or any rights because. Actually, when you when when a man does that, he divorces her. And in the old days, he got everything. She didn't. She she uh, uh, they uh, so Jesus. And this is very important to our to our uh, our theory here. Jesus in Matthew, when he is questioned by the by the Pharisees, he's questioned about about marriage, and and. And his mentor Hillel, by the way, was actually very liberal on. He, he thought divorce was uh, was okay. When, but Jesus, Jesus supported the female point of view on divorce. He he said, "What God has joined, let no man put asunder." And and the whole concept that we still have, and it comes down from, from Valentine, from Jesus and from, from St. Valentine, the whole concept we have of holy marriage, you know, when we say the, the right of holy marriage, the sacrament of marriage, that comes from that, well, that verse in Matthew, but also the whole Valentinian, um, that was the central core of the Valentinian um, uh, version of Christianity was the sacred marriage, re-empowering the female, and and Marcus the Valentinian carried that right along, and he is he and his priestess turned water into wine up there on the altar, and uh, and they, the Valentinians had had priestesses, and of course Mary Magdalene was a leader in the early church. <laughs> so, what? Well, what I'm trying to say here is that marriage, even though I'm sure a lot of our pagan friends don't, you know, they probably they, they probably don't think that they probably follow the feminist idea that that marriage is really not that important. That it's, I, I think the feminists, the radical feminists, believe that marriage is a is a patriarchal way of enslaving women. But, but that, no, that, that 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 isn't the case at all. It was a way of empowering. It was it was a way of empowering them. But also too, it was ah, it was the rejoining of the separated 
elements of the soul. Now, uh, uh, Plato is credited with coming up with the idea of the androgynous soul. Uh, that's credited to Plato, um, and maybe it, maybe it is, but uh, but it also appears in Genesis, and and uh, so perhaps Ezra and his committee that wrote the Bible, perhaps they were reading Plato. That's certainly possible because Plato was around at that time, and but the idea is that that the soul is originally male and female, and this is this is biblical, of course. The soul is originally male and female, and it, and it splits. God splits the soul and, and divides it, and then he reunites it but when he takes Adam's, uh, takes the rib out of Adam and makes Eve, and makes Eve for him. He, he, re, he, he allows, it, allows the souls to reunite. So when Adam and Eve uh, come together, uh, they, are, they become one soul again. And Jesus was very, very much in favor of this, and this was his, and this this is the doctrine of the, of the sacred marriage. Now, of course, you know, if you I, that doesn't mean that that um, we all have to go out and and and, and you know go into all of these uh, lonely arts clubs and everything else trying to find our soulmate. That isn't what it means. What it means is if you marry a woman. If, and of course, in the old days, those marriages were mostly arranged, unfortunately. But, but if you marry a woman, you are making her the other half of your soul. And this is very hermetic because, oh, you know, as far as we're concerned, in, in hermetic philosophy, and this is kind of hermetic philosophy, um, the uh, all souls. At, at root core, all souls are identical. They're all part of God. So when you get married, you are whether whether she is your your secret soulmate or not, you're making her your soulmate. That that's what's happening according to Valentinian philosophy and according to what Jesus is is promoting. So that's the, that that is actually, believe it or not, that that is a a a concession. To, to paganism, to paganism that preceded this monotheistic, uh, this monotheistic tyranny of Jehovah, and this is this is uh, uh, this is uh, so this is this is one of the reasons why I'm I'm I titled this uh, Jesus Christ uh, 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 the pagan priest king because that's that's basically what what's going on here, and the sanctification of marriage. Mike, you want to make some comments on that? Um, well, I, I think that everything you, you said self-contained. I'm trying to think. Uh, what areas would you like me to add to on that? Well, what I no, I just 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 thought maybe you might have some you might have some uh, sidelights or comments on that that idea uh, on the Valentine. You've read the Gospel according to Philip. Yeah, um, that's that's a pretty early source, and it's how we know that um, Mary Magdalene was uh, extremely important in the community. We also know from the Gospel of Mary Magdalene that she was important to the community. Uh, the only reason she was disenfranchised was really because Paul was off doing his own thing in um, Asia Minor, uh, that's modern-day Turkey and, and Italy, and... Um, yeah, he he was just out of touch with what they were trying to do in, in uh Palestine. Um 
we know that Jesus was, he made some really strong stands towards women that were um, very revolutionary for his day. Uh, one one thing that Jesus said uh, to stop doing was divorce, uh, because divorce uh, back then, it, it totally favored the man. It didn't favor the woman at all. Um, basically, she got disinherited or, or put away. Uh, Herod did that to a lot of, uh, to a couple of his wives, to two of his wives. He actually did that to Antipater's uh, mother um, when when the two of them started having a falling out towards the end of both of their lives. They both died around the same time. Um, so uh, it's also kind of, a, kind of a poke in the eye to Ezra, who uh, forced uh, all his fellows around 400 B.C. He says, all right, you guys, uh, you married Canaanite woman, now um, divorce them. And uh, send your kids that you had uh, by them back to to their in laws. So uh, it, it's really unconscionable. So Jesus is saying, uh, you know, whatever is set up, uh, this is not a good thing, and uh, we're going to stop that, and we're going to start um, giving women power again. And uh, by marrying the Phoenician, he's also uh, he's marrying the Canaanite because the Phoenicians were a tribe of Canaanites uh, or a group of tribes of, of Canaanites, and he's saying uh, these people need to be included in the plan. He even has. Um, one of his apostles is called Simon the Canaanite. So um, this is a group that Jesus is trying to include, and um, he's doing it through marriage. And by doing this union, he's um, he's creating that that um, royal connection between the, the royal um, the royal line of Ham and the royal line of Shem. Uh, beyond that, I, I I don't think I could add uh, much more. You, you really capture everything really well. Well, well, uh, yeah. Thanks for that. Anyway, uh, the uh, 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 I want to I want to kind of uh, um, before we uh, get get out, but well, in the time we have left, I want to discuss the uh, the possibility of uh, well, the Joseph and Asenath allegory, uh, and and the business of uh, of of uh, Germanicus possibly uh, being. Yeah, yeah, that that is important. It, you see, one of the things, uh, and, and you go back to the, 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 the to the lost gospel. Um, what the lost gospel does is it uses the biblical, the uh, the the the. the uh, it's actually it's in Gen- it's it's not in Genesis. It, it is in Genesis, isn't it? Yeah, Joseph and Asenath is it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's in Genesis, and and. Uh, you know, as, as, as you all remember from Sunday school, those of you who went to Sunday school, uh, and if you didn't, why didn't you? <laughs> but uh, and you all remember that Joseph was sold into into slavery in Egypt by his his nasty brothers. They they because you know they, and he had his 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 coat of many colors, his dream coat and all that. So he's sold into slavery by his nasty brothers, but he but he's so he's so inspired and so uh so clever that he manages to to worm his way out of slavery and and he and he eventually becomes uh because he's such a good prophet and truthsayer and 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 all he he eventually becomes uh, the advisor to Pharaoh. And in the process of all of this uh, he uh, he he marries a a a high priest's daughter, Asenath, and and uh, marries the high priest's daughter, 
and has a couple of children, and uh, and he's working his way up to the to, to become actually uh, almost the administrator for the whole kingdom. He's he's virtually uh, he's virtually the pharaoh's uh, um, you know prime minister. You know they were. Uh, what we would call what they what they would call over in in Arabia a grand wazir. Anyway, uh, so what happens though is is that his brothers, that the ones that sold him into slavery, they have a famine up there in Canaan, and they come back down to uh, in Egypt, and they find here they find their their brother that they have. That they have they sold into slavery. Oh my God! Yeah, this guy's become virtually the ruler of Egypt, and sure enough, they end up conniving against him. He forgives them and all of that. Then they end up conniving against him, and and Pharaoh's son, so according to this this story, uh, at least the, the the version of the story that that, that the Christians wrote in the Lost Gospel. Pharaoh's son, I don't think this is in Genesis. Uh, Pharaoh's son uh, lusts after Aseneth. He thinks that he should have he should have married Aseneth. And and so he conspires with the brothers and uh and and what ends up happening is is that Pharaoh's son, before he can he can uh capture Aseneth, and and take her away. He gets uh, he gets killed, uh, and uh, so we're left with this story that we are virtually certain. And and uh, uh, Jack and Bovici and and Wilson have made a very good case for this. We're virtually certain this is a Christian allegory. That, that this is this is this does represent Jesus and Mary Magdalene. Now we're not we we did another show on that, so we're not going to go back into that the honeycomb and all of the the sacred marriage and the whole business. But it it's it, it's pretty obviously a Christian, and it's thing we know it was written by by Christians anyway. And but what what uh, Giacomo Vici and Wilson are suggesting is that this the Pharaohs son is was really uh the roman uh the roman general germanicus who had been who had been assigned the governorship of of syria but uh before he could actually take his position as governor he was was poisoned by uh by one of his uh one of his roman associates and and the what they're suggesting is is that he wanted to marry Mary Magdalene. Well, if what we found out that Mary Magdalene was 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 a and, and apparently Jacobovich and Wilson didn't get this, but Mary Magdalene was the daughter of the former governor of uh, the preceding governor of of Syria, who was also a Roman uh, appointee. And yet he was related all the way back to the, you know, to the royalty of the, of the Phoenicians, and uh, and uh, so this would be very, very, very um, uh, advantageous for Germanicus coming in as the governor of Syria to to be able to marry Mary Magdalene, and and uh, that would really solidify his his position and his power. So. It's very possible that he he was working to have that arranged, 
And if it's uh, that's what that's what they suggest, but they didn't know they go further than that. They they actually have him have him uh, uh, going down in the field and trying to you know getting involved and trying to kidnap her and everything. None of that probably happened because Germanicus uh, <laughs> instead of in going to Syria and taking his seat as he as he he on the way he went on a sightseeing tour in Egypt and digressed and went looked at the pyramids and whatever. By the time he got by the time he got to uh to Syria, uh he was already they were already poisoning him and so he probably never had a chance to meet Mary Magdalene. So if they are right, if Jakobovich, Ricci and Wilson are correct, then it must have been prearranged that, that whole thing would have been what do you think about this, Mike? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I think that that's exactly what Germanicus wanted to do, and I, I think at first uh, Mary Magdalene's father, his, his name was um, Theophilus Cyrus, um, he, he would have been favorable, thinking, yeah, this is a great idea. I'll connect to uh, the Caesar family, and uh, I'll unite with them, and uh, we'll become uh, a lot more powerful. However, uh, Tiberius had a problem with his son, Germanicus. Uh, Germanicus was really arrogant. Uh, he was really unruly, not unlike his father. But, of course, you know, like father, like son, Tiberius didn't want somebody with a big head like him going to fight against him. It, it seems these powerful uh, royal families, they have a lot of infighting. Um, some of that might be caused by uh, in, inbreeding, but a lot of it's just power hunger. So, um what Tiberius did to stall this was he, he appointed um, someone else to be in charge of the area when Germanicus was going there, thinking it was his to take over. He appointed his friend, uh, Gnaeus Piso. And uh, Gnaeus Piso's job under Tiberius was to prevent Germanicus um, from getting power over that region you know, by giving Gnaeus Piso the official governorship of that area. So Gnaeus yeah. Piso would have gone in and told uh, Theophilus, hey, Theophilus, um, you don't want to do this because uh, it might have been a good idea at first, but um, Tiberius Caesar's decided uh, he does not want this to go through. So you need to keep this place under control, and you need to make sure this doesn't happen. That was his job. Um, and uh, yeah. Gnaeus Piso was the one who arranged for Germanicus to be cut off, so when Germanicus goes goes into Syria thinking he's going to take over, Gnaeus Piso arranges to um, cut him off. Yep, that's probably when that that probably is the way it went down, and and that means that uh, that actually Jakubovich and Novici and Wilson are probably correct in their assumption. And and now now the only thing we need to do uh, to wrap this whole thing up is to figure out how how Jesus, with all of this stuff going for him, and everything all of this going for him, how did he end up? getting nailed up on the cross. And I think that the answer to that is that 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 the money the money to get Pilate to do it came from his from Jesus' own uh relation, uh Herod Antipas, the Tetrarch of Galilee, because Jesus was a direct threat to to uh Herod Antipas and uh who was his, his actually his 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 brother in a scene of it, wasn't he? Uh yeah, he was his half brother. Uh Herod Antipas brother, comes yeah. through. Yeah. Herod Antipas was uh the son of uh Herod's wife, um 
I believe um I believe it was uh Malthace, um uh, the Samaritan. And wow. um so Jesus being the son, being the grandson of 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 uh Herod uh and his Herod had uh Jesus would have been the last descendant of the Davidian wife, the only Davidian wife that Herod had, which was Doris. She um, yeah. she was the daughter, and uh, as far as we know, only child, of uh, Jesus uh, Bar Panthera. Um, and and um, yeah. she was the last heir, and that was an actual historical figure. Who uh, He was the last heir. He, he was the heir of the Davidian line, and he was in charge of the, Samar- the, the Sanhedrin in his day. Uh, so yeah, yeah, it was a yeah, big threat to. because he was—he's the most credible. Uh, Jesus is the most credible uh, descendant of Herod to um, rule the house of David, to to be the house of right. David to rule Israel. Yeah, so Herod so, Antipas so, has to get rid of him because so, he doesn't have the so credentials. Herod, Herod Antipas would have, as I said, he he would have. Well, Graves has a Graves does some does some uh, some speculation along this line, but I think I think it's pretty obvious that. That uh, and using using the Mark Anthony, uh, Herod the Great's uh, uh, paying Mark Anthony to uh, to execute Antigonus. That's the template for this, and that 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 is the template for the crucifixion of of, of, of Jesus. Is uh, is so so Antipas uh, knew that that uh, that you know pay Pilate enough and and Pilate will do the job. Uh, and of course, the Sanhedrin wanted it done too. They 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 couldn't they could not kill Jesus because he was a Roman citizen, and and uh, and so they they uh, between the between the Sanhedrin and uh, and Caiaphas being the being the between the Caiaphas and Antipas together, uh, I think they put together quite a uh, quite a kitty for you know for for Pilate. So so he. Uh, and and he said, "All right, I'll kill your king for you, but I'm going to make you. I'm going to, I'm going to embarrass the hell out of you by 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 putting a sign up on the cross that says that this this is your king, <laughs> which he did. And and, and, uh, and you know, there's uh, also a reason. Pontius Pilate uh, was a very astute politician. He's scaring the Jews. A lot of Jews like Jesus, but the ones in power didn't, because he was a threat to their power. But um, the, a lot of the common people really liked him." He was a uniter, and, and he was a, a kind of a populist. So um, by putting Jesus Christ king of the Jews, what um, Pontius Pilate is saying is, hey, you Judeans who want to rebel, um, I, I just killed your leader. And that's that's very true, because another thing we didn't mention, you know, and in talking about, about the, the actual character of, of Palestine at that time, it was just as as volatile and as uh, they didn't have rockets to fire and and all, but they were just as volatile then as uh, and they had they they had one revolt after another. In fact, they were having they were having a revolt just about the time about about the time Jesus was crucified. They were having another one, and and all of this, uh, you know, all of this was going on constantly. They were they were constantly in a state of rebellion, and I think. Uh, and this is one of the reasons, too, why I I think that Jesus Jesus's parables and his teachings are so uh, are so incredibly liberal. You know that it's 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 Robin Hood all the way. You know, let's let's take from the rich and give to the poor. 
and and uh, and uh, which, uh, of course, one of the one of the reasons for that is is that that the the wealthy in those days, uh, the the ones who had all the money, were were uh, were the, the the ones that were the highest in the priesthood, and the highest in the in 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 the Jewish nobility. Uh, and and they were the ones with the money, and they were the ones with the you know with the property, and they were the ones with the, that owned the land, and the Canaanites, and and the the other Israelites, uh, you know, even though they might profess to be Jewish, um, um, you know, on the surface and all, they were still, um, you know, they still they they still. They still paid obeisance to the Queen of Heaven, and and uh, they were still uh, a lot of them were pagans at heart, and uh, and they were they were the they were virtually serfs. So I think that a lot of Jesus's uh, um, you know Jesus's altruism uh, is is really uh, let's let's you know let's give uh, yeah, let's give Israel back to the Israelites. You know what I mean? Uh, I think yeah that, uh, yeah. And uh, um, yeah, blessed be the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And and we made them meek because they're afraid to they're they're afraid to raise their heads, you know. So uh, anyway, I think uh, we're about out of out of time. Next week, next week at at the request of a couple of our members, they we've had a, a forum on the website about uh, suggestions for what to do. Uh, what kind of shows to do on the Hermetic Hour? And and one of our members suggested, well, why don't you do a series on the on the spheres of the Tree of Life? And and uh, and like we did one on the paths, and that was very successful. Everybody loved that. So we're going to start uh, a series on the spheres, and we'll start at the bottom and we'll go up to the top. And so next week, Malkuth, the Kingdom. And uh, you know, so we'll start a we'll start a new series on the spheres, and uh, and and thank you so much, uh, Brother Solomon. And uh, this that I, I think this is a show that probably uh, will get a lot of food for thought, and 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 uh, and a lot of uh, of um, you know. I hope we get some good commentary on it. And I'll, we'll see you all next week. And until then, good magic. Good night. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.